Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Peace, to soften what is rigid in our hearts, to be what people expect us to be, and to stay with it. Will the real Mary please stand up? Mary's life seems to be shrouded in legend. Our perceptions of Mary, the mother of Jesus, differ starkly from the Mary that we historically know. Most of Mary's difficult life went unrecorded. This first century Jewish woman lived in a peasant village and most likely she was living in poverty. An image that is more relatable to billions of people today than the beautiful Madonnas that are depicted in paintings by the medieval painters. So, which one was there? Which Mary do you think of each year as you wait expectantly for Christmas? And do you find peace in being what is expected or in being who you truly are? This week's scripture is from Luke 2, 3 to 7. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. Christmas and expectations. Not only do they happen within our own families at home, but those expectations bleed over into spiritual communities, in particular, the Christian church. At Christmas time, when you enter into a church, you expect it to look like Christmas. Ta da! So we have Christmas trees, we have poinsettias, we have the candles. It's kind of expected that we transform our worship space to be Christmassy. The other thing that happens is we have certain expectations when it comes to the Christmas Eve service. One of the things that a lot of churches enjoy is having Christmas carols, but there's one song that if you don't include you're going to hear it. You're going to hear about it from people. Silent night. And it has to, usually all church services, it comes to the end, and with it comes lighting of candles and the passing of the flame from one to the other. And with that comes the great responsibility of someone coming back in and cleaning up all the wax that fell from Christmas Eve. So all these expectations surround Christmas and Christmas Eve, even in our churches. One expectation that some churches have 
is there will be a Christmas pageant. And with that expectation, we expect certain characters to show up. Number one, we want shepherds there. We want the wise men. We want the angels. And it can't be Christmas without Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. What I find amazing is that of all the different churches where I've served as a minister, Mary tends to look exactly the same. They, Mary dresses the same. She's always in white. She has something over her head, and she's holding either a real or a fake baby. And everyone is supposed to be looking at the baby. And Mary and the baby are the center of attention. So there are certain expectations that surround Christmas. And if we're honest, they surround Mary. There are certain ideas about Mary that we just seem to gloss over and accept. We don't spend a lot of time reflecting or thinking upon it because that wouldn't feel Christmassy. So instead, we want to be able to stay with the story and the comfort that comes from having our expectations met. So if you expect certain things and they don't happen, that can leave you feeling quite frustrated. Here's what's interesting, however, is that the Mary that the majority of Christians envision today is not the same as the historical Mary. They're different. What we know about the historical Mary and what we think about Mary today is dramatically different. In fact, our ideas of Mary developed over time. For example, the first person in the New Testament to write about Mary is Paul. Paul talks about Mary and her birth in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But what's amazing is it says that Jesus was born of a woman. That's it. Paul doesn't give us a name. He never mentions Mary by name. She is just simply a woman. And that's made some people wonder if Paul even knew her name, or some would argue that Paul figured that everyone was familiar with her, so therefore that was her name and no reason to mention it. But it's quite interesting that the first person to actually start writing about the Jesus, and this is about 40 years after Jesus has died, does not even mention Mary by name. The next person to write, and their writings ended up in the New Testament, is the Gospel of Mark. And when you read the Gospel of Mark, what's interesting there is that there is no birth story. We never hear about the birth of Jesus, but we do hear about Mary twice. And in both of those situations, Mary is older. Jesus is older. And Mary is seen in less than an ideal light. 
Mary has certain expectations of her son. And Jesus doesn't live up to those expectations. And so Mary goes to see him and she chastises him. Tries to get him to come with the rest of the family back home. So the picture that you have of Mary in the Gospel of Mark, number one, you don't have a birth story. And number two, you have Mary seen as someone that's somewhat questionable in her allegiance to Jesus. Now move forward about 10 to 15 years. And now we're looking at about 70 years after Jesus' death. Matthew and Luke write their Gospels. And it is there for the first time that we have the story of a virgin birth. That Mary is conceived by the Holy, receives conception through the Holy Spirit. Now again, that's about 70 years after Jesus had died. The first time that we find it recorded. And that becomes the expectation that we will hear over and over that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to her child. The Gospel of John, which is again probably another 10 to 15 years even later, it doesn't mention the birth of Jesus. Doesn't mention Mary and giving birth to Jesus. And instead, Jesus is seen as pre-existing before creation. In John chapter 1, he is the Logos. He is the one who has always existed. So that becomes the norm in that community that received the, epistle, the gospel from John. So think about it. From the time of Jesus' birth to the time you have 70 years, 80 years go by, you can see how Mary evolves over time. But it doesn't stop there. The early church in the second century, they continue to add ideas. So, for example, one of the things that we hear about is not only the virgin birth, but we hear of what is called the, it's going to come to me in just a moment, the virgin birth, perpetual virginity. What does that mean? That Mary has going to remain a virgin all of her life. She never has sexual relations with Joseph. She's a perpetual virgin. And that becomes important in our expectations of who Mary is going to be. Then, after that takes place, another idea pops up and is called postpartum virginity. What does that mean? Well, Mary gives birth to a child. But somehow, miraculously, she physically remains intact as a virgin. And that becomes important to the church community. They want to believe that not only was she a virgin when she got pregnant, but she remains virgin all of her life. And once she gives birth to Jesus, everything's put back to its original status, and Mary remains a virgin. So you can see over time that our expectations of what kind of woman Mary is 
devolves and grows over time. Now we're going to go forward hundreds of years into the 1800s. And in the 1800s, something takes place. A new idea appears. You see, if Mary is the vessel of Jesus, if she is carrying God with her, could Mary have sin? Could Mary be sinful and still carry God in her womb? And theologians thought about this, and they said, no. Which means then that Mary must have been born immaculately. And it became what is called the Immaculate Conception of Mary. There's a painting that depicts this idea. It's a picture of Mary's parents. In the Gospel of James, which is an apocryphal book, a book that didn't make it into the New Testament. They tell the story of, G of Mary's parents, Anne and Jehoiakim. And they meet at the Golden Gate. And there, they embrace each other and share a kiss. And some people speculate that it was at that moment when they shared this kiss that Anne became pregnant. In that way, Mary is born without sin. So you can see over time how this took place, how our expectations of what kind of woman Mary should be grew over time. And finally, in the 1900s, they said, has anyone ever found Mary's grave? Does anyone know where Mary's, where she was buried? The answer is no. So theologians come up with another idea, and that idea is that Mary was bodily, went through a bodily assumption, that she ascended up into heaven in bodily form, just like Moses and Elijah. So Mary. But what's amazing is, these, this picture of Mary, we expect that, that Mary is this passive, obedient, subservient woman, and she becomes the ideal for all women. And that's the expectation of what we want Mary to be. And what gets frustrating is, is when we really look at Mary's life, the ultimate reality is we know very little about her. We do know she was Jewish. We do know that she had a son, somewhere around 7 to 4 BCE. And we do know that that son eventually died in his 30s. And we also know that those who were alive when Mary was alive treated her like any other woman. And so the historical reality of who Mary is and the Mary that we expect to see today are totally different. 
So what difference does that make? Well, first of all, understand and remember that this picture of Mary that we have today, it was created by men. Men who had ideas, and they took those ideas of what they expected Mary to be, and they put it on to Mary herself. And the reality is we're continuing to do that all the time. We all have expectations for each other of what we expect. In fact, it is so much in part of us. It happens when we're children. When you're born into this world, there are certain expectations that your parents have for you. Perhaps you remember saying or hearing these words. No child of mine is going to fill in the blank. It's us as parents saying we have certain expectations for our children. And it not only happens in our households, but when we go to school, it happens there too. We have expectations from our teachers. We have expectations from the state that we have to pass certain tests in order to advance to the next grade. We all have these expectations that come to us as children. And not only, it doesn't stop there. It happens when you go and you work and you take a job. There are certain expectations from the way you dress to the way you behave. And more and more, we're finding it even what you do with your social media. All of these expectations continue to be piled upon us. Well, it makes sense then that because of that, over time, guess what happens? We develop expectations of other people. We have expectations on how people ought to behave. We have expectations for our politicians. We have expectations for our athletes. We have expectations for our ministers. We have expectations for police. We have expectations for our spouses, our partners in life. All of these expectations continue to exist, and the cycle just continues to go round and round and round. There's expectations, perhaps, that you're not even aware of that are influencing your life right now. And there's expectations you probably have about other people that you may not even consciously be aware of. And what happens is, is when we don't live up to other people's expectations, they become frustrated with us. And when other people don't live up to our expectations, we become frustrated with them. And that's why sometimes in spiritual communities, we expect to hear certain things. And when we hear things that are different than that, it can leave us feeling very frustrated. Because what we believed and what we hear conflict and what we expected to happen doesn't happen 
and it leaves us feeling quite anxious inside. The challenge is, is that each and every one of us may, to varying degrees, have this part of us that wants to meet those expectations of other people. We don't want to disappoint people. We don't want to make them unhappy. We don't want conflict. So very subtly, we may be molding and shaping our lives into becoming something that is more acceptable by the larger society. And in turn, we do that to other people. We try to mold them and shape them into something that will be pleasing to us. If that is true for you and I, which it probably is, we're going to continue to fail. Because we will never live up to everyone's expectations. So what are we to do? Really? Let Mary be Mary. Let other people be who they are and learn to accept who you are. And ultimately, when we accept who we are, it becomes less likely that we'll put expectations on other people. If you're like me, when I board a plane, one of the first things I do is I take out my headphones and I turn on my noise counseling, canceling headphones and I set those on. And I watch the flight attendant as she's standing in the middle of the aisle or as he is taking out all these different objects to demonstrate things to us. I pretty much know what they're gonna say so I really don't pay attention. I think one of the things I find fascinating though is they will tell us that in case there is a drop in pressure in the cabin that we're supposed to remain calm enough to take this oxygen mask that will automatically fall down on top of me and I'm supposed to take it and put it on my face. But they say something that's quite intriguing at that point. They say that please put on your own mask first. And then if those around you need help, then assist them. Maybe the greatest Christmas gift that you can give yourself is to put your own oxygen mask on first. To accept who you are, to slowly peel away all those expectations that come from other people and find the core of who you are and become comfortable with that. Because when you become comfortable with yourself, it changes your relationships with others. And you can learn to accept other people for who they are. 
You know, that's one of the amazing things about Jesus. These individuals who wrote about him 40 to 70 years after he had lived here on earth, they remembered things about him. And they remembered a person who was willing to accept people for who they were. They didn't have to meet certain expectations before he would accept them. And I wonder where he learned that. I think maybe from his mother. And perhaps it was Mary that accepted her son. And in turn, he learned to accept himself and accept others. I hope this Christmas that you will find that gift of accepting who you really are and then in turn being willing to accept other people for who they are. May that be the gift you give yourself and others this Christmas. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.